What happens to the world if Taiwan's semiconductor industry goes dark? To discuss in part one of our two-part conversation, I have joining me Eric Breckenfeld of SIA and Hassan Khan. There's no chips. I mean, there's there's no smartphones. There, there's no, you're, you're not getting the chips that go into your servers. So you only have the chips you already have. Google is not building new servers. Amazon Web Services is not building new servers. Cloud computing basically stops growing. Um, to me, that sounds like global recession. Um, but you know, I'm not an economist. I think, you know, for the last two years, uh, throughout the pandemic, we, we learned about supply shortages. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever hoarded toilet paper or, you know, there was obviously the PPE shortage. And so maybe one of the most humbling things to think about here is we, we lived through all those acute shortages and they were, they were really frustrating, you know, um, but to Eric's point, they weren't, you you know, although we did have a semiconductor shortage and still do. It wasn't like a semiconductor shortage of every major component that we need for all advanced processes, right? Those were usually in like very specific, like we saw shortages for like display ICs or some of like the lower cost ones. We weren't really seeing massive shortages for uh, exactly the kinds of advanced chips that that are key to all these uh, technologies that we take for granted now, right? So if time and 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 there's no spare production capacity to bring it up. So you can start building. I mean, Taiwan goes dark. Yeah. I mean, they're going to start building fabs. They're, yeah, I'm sure we're going to start, you know, let's say a world where where suddenly tomorrow Taiwan isn't allowed to have electricity anymore. Right. OK, so, yeah, they're going to start building fabs in the U.S. You're going to start building fabs in Japan. There's a lead time on that and, and, and South Korea as well. Um, there's going to be a lead time on that. That that'll be a few years at least. That's optimistic. But then when those fabs turn on, you have no guarantee that you're going to hit yields. TSMC's magic is that they have engineering special sauce that they can somehow hit insane yield at these processes that that's challenging for everybody else and Samsung too. I won't shortchange Samsung. Um, so, but even if you stand up new capacity, unless you got all of the TSMC engineers, so we didn't talk about how Taiwan went dark. In the worst case scenario, you also don't have access to their engineering talent. Who's going to run these? You have to relearn, you know, a lot of those, the, the, the knowledge in the fab is proprietary. And so, and they keep that as closely, that's the Coca-Cola recipe, right? They keep that safely guarded. And so, yeah, you're, you're a decade behind at least. Uh, the chairman of TSMC or some of their leadership made this point, which was, they obviously they're, they're building the fab in Arizona. I think I believe they have a, a partnership with Sony in Japan. And he made this point that was like, we can build fabs outside of Taiwan, but the the epicenter of our internal knowledge as a company is in Taiwan. And I can send my best engineers to any of my fabs to problem solve. If I build it in Arizona, if I build it in Japan, like if I have to put them on a plane, it's going to take them two days to get there. And then they're jet lagged. Right. And we're still human beings or you're doing it over video calls across. And it's just not as if you're just not as effective as having literal boots on the ground from your best engineers and in the room together. Right. So that's always going to limit. And it's not just your best engineers. It's like everyone, yep. all of your suppliers and they're not building, you know, a new factory in Arizona. ASML has has teams that sit next to TSMC foundries and come in and help them when the machines. I mean, it, it's. It's not just Taiwan's best engineers. It's also the best ASML engineers. It's the best, right? It, it's it's applied, uh, uh, it's AMAT. It's right, it's everyone in the process. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's exactly right. We can build new stuff in Arizona, but 
Taiwanese people are coming over here to run those fabs and ASML sending engineers out to help, right? So if suddenly you remove the Taiwanese engineers from the picture, you're, even if you could build a fab in three years, you're not turning it on at capacity in three years. So, and, and, and just like the, like the tooling, the tooling, too. absolutely. You know, there's a, people make a comparison, um, from, from Taiwan to Ukraine and, and, and of course I could see why that would happen, but you know, not, not only is, is China, not Russia, but Ukraine is not Taiwan. Y Ukraine, first of all, would have value even if nobody lived there because it has huge agricultural and natural gas resources, right? If, if you could magically zap everyone from Ukraine to go live somewhere else to tomorrow, that land would have value. Taiwan's value is its workforce. And, and it's, I mean, really, yeah, I mean, it has, it has uh, manufacturing capacity too, but, but that's almost easier to rebuild than an entire engineering workforce is to retrain. That, that, that's a generational uh, effort. And so Taiwan, you know, it, to invade Taiwan is almost to destroy the value that it provides in the supply chain. If, if its engineering workforce is unable to perform because it's in an occupation or, or whatever that might be, then Taiwan's value in the supply chain goes down to almost nothing. Whoever's left is not going to be super excited at like work at, to work for their at their new, you know, state owned overlords. Yes. It's not a question to China. Do you want to own Taiwan's capabilities? That is not in the cards for them. Do you want to destroy yeah. Taiwan's capabilities? That's a question they could answer. But owning it, I mean, it, you, you would have to win the hearts and minds of the engineers who, who work there. Because if they're not performing, you don't have TSMC. And somehow get the world to, like, be cool with it. Which, 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 at the, which on the one hand, it's like, yes, like, like subjecting the U.S. to, like, go back to 1990 all of a sudden is like, that's a pretty powerful piece of leverage. Um, but, you know, you figured there'd be some sort of intestinal fortitude um, to, to eat pain in that situation. Look, I, I, I accept that the Belgians and Dutch are at times a, a merchant folk and, you know, they, maybe they could be brought around, but I just don't think that if China moved in on Taiwan, ASML would just say, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll still send our engineers out to help you. I, I don't, I don't know if I buy that in, in a, in an actual worst case scenario, sort of a, sort of an environment. I think a lot to, to exactly that point, I think there would be perhaps some folks who are captive. I could imagine a lot of. Taiwanese folk who would find it very difficult to leave. But to that same point, there are probably lots of folks who work for those suppliers who aren't necessarily Taiwanese born and raised and located. And, you know, and they would be like willing to leave and go. They, they would bring that expertise to other fabs around the world. But to Eric's point, it's, it's not going to happen without a delay. It's going to still like that would sap global talent out of Taiwan's ecosystem. And that would do irreparable damage to that ecosystem. And it would be a benefit to the other ecosystems, but it wouldn't be an instantaneous flip of the switch, right? There would still be a lag in getting, getting the facilities up and running, filling the gaps in knowledge because they wouldn't have all the knowledge that is located in uh, TSMC's ecosystem, but it would be a net win for the rest of the world. But I think a loss to the world globally. Yeah. And it, it's not a, a scenario. And, and I guess, you know, you wouldn't even have to. And this may be what we're looking down the barrel of, by the way. Um, it wouldn't have to be a direct military action. I mean, it could be cyber attacks. It could be disruptions in the grid. Um, now, of course, you know, these fabs often have internal grids and they have resilience built in. But I mean, China also has sophisticated uh, cyber attack capabilities. So, I mean, 
if, if you wanted to attack the supply chain, you wouldn't have to invade Taiwan. There, there are other ways to slow manufacturing, create delays that China has access to that, that they could pull as a lever if they wanted. And it would be bad for China, by the way. They use TSMC too. I mean, it, right? They, everyone uses TSMC. Intel uses TSMC for some of their products, right? So, so yeah, China has the capacity to hurt everyone if they want to. But cer certainly, let's let's hope that they don't. Um, yeah, I, I do. It think would it's, be bad. Yeah, I I think it's I think it's uh it's really unfortunate that we've kind of gotten to the point where these conversations are are more imaginable than they were in the past, right? I think even as this conversation is happening, some of the tension around China after Nancy Pelosi's visit has kind of ratcheted up to a level that didn't seem possible a few years ago, even as the rhetoric was increasing. Um, but these these sort of this these scenarios are uh, perhaps more imaginable than they were before, which is eh, not where we'd want to be. It's worth reflecting maybe on like, just like the beauty of the system that we have, that there is a Taiwan in the first place, which has been able to be so outrageously successful over the past 30, 40 years um, to be in this position. And like, it's, 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 you know, the best case for globalization, right? Is the fact that this island has been able to specialize in such a way that they are now creating the future. Um, I, I've seen some uh, rhetoric at, at times, even in conversations I've had with, you know, folks on the Hill, um, conflating the loss of other manufacturing sectors, you know, abroad or, or, or to East Asia, uh, to, to the loss, in a sense, loss to of, of the semiconductor industry. So, so, for example, you know, the loss of auto manufacturing or, or even just consumer electronics, lower value consumer electronics, uh, especially to, to countries leveraging their low labor costs. And one thing I try to do always is remind people that while that is what happened in some manufacturing, companies sort of um, carelessly pursuing low labor costs is not what happened yeah. in the semiconductor industry. Taiwan educated their workforce and restructured a lot of their society and education structure around specializing in engineering and semiconductor technology, and then outcompeted everyone else on the merits of the technology, not because they have bad environmental regulations, not because their labor is cheap, none, none of that stuff that we hate. They did it the way you should be doing it, which is through excellence and education. And, and I mean, yeah, it, there is a certain beauty to that, but you know, it, there, there should be a level of applause that goes to them as well for, you know, we wouldn't, the supply chain wouldn't work as well as it does, as fragile as it now is clear that it is, it wouldn't work as well as yeah. it does without their efforts. And, and you know, they, they made risky bets that yeah. paid off. And, and you know, I, I think that there's an element of applause that needs to go to that. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, we could be, we could still be making shoes in America and they'd be like 50% more expensive and they'd basically still be the same shoe. Like, what the return that, you know, humanity has gotten from Taiwan being able to, you know, um, metamorphosize into into what it is today is so much more impactful to the planet um, and to the way we live our lives and are able to live our lives than, you know, having a 50 percent cheaper shoe um, that the, the comparison is just totally um, is just, you know, it's it's a ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and it's it's supposed to be how globalization works when it works beneficially it's supposed to allow a group of people to to pull themselves into a high value part of the supply chain by making the right investments and bets i mean that that is supposed but, to be what happens but but also we should be clear right like although 
Taiwan's gain here has not been America's like the some of the biggest beneficiaries of the ascendance of TSMC are US based firms. Sure. Qualcomm, Nvidia, AMD, uh, you know, Google, Facebook, uh, Apple, they are, these are all firms that have leveraged their capabilities to bring their designs up to par and surpassing, uh, what anyone else can do. Um, and so, you know, even today, if you look at the leading edge node, so we'll, you know, everyone makes the point only TSMC can manufacture the leading edge node. Well, I think up to over 90% of the customers that it's manufacturing for are us based design yes. firms, right? So. This has, although I, I understand why for the American psyche, it's, it's, uh, you know, we're now dependent on TSMC for leading edge chips and that's, uh, it, it feels shaky, but at the same time, our firms have been the ones who've been best positioned to leverage its expertise and to turn those, its manufacturing prowess combined with our design prowess into the world's best products. Yeah, I mean, Apple is not as dominant as it is without TSMC. I mean, in, in, in an alternate history that, you know, that. They and and Nvidia, none of these are. And and I'll I'll say too. Oh yeah, go ahead. AMD, absolutely AMD, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like AMD. There's no way AMD overtakes. AMD is the clearest co example, right? AMD was always. I mean, it's still yeah. much smaller than Intel in terms of revenue, but it was always lagging its capabilities to Intel because Intel yep. had the integrated uh, design and manufacturing uh, uh, lead. AMD tried to play that same game, could never catch up. It spun off its foundry. When it ditched global yep, foundries it rocketed, for the leading edge and moved to TSMC, yep. it overtook Intel at the performance edge. That's the, it's the clearest example of where this worked to the benefit of a US-based firm. Now it didn't work, to, you know, Intel is the loser uh, in this case, but on net American firms still, you know, and, and consumers worldwide benefited. I, just, I remember reading my PC Gamer in the late 90s, and everyone's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, AMD trash, whatever, you guys suck, and here we are today. My, my very first there. PC I ever built uh, in 2002, I think, had a um, the, the first 64-bit AMD processor, which I've been trying to track down. I know it's in my parents' house somewhere. I want to go get it get, get it put in uh, in resin and put on my desk, but... Um, yeah, no, I, I, I remember the uh, in, Intel sticker on your on your case. And uh, yeah, AM, AMD is trash. I remember those those days. Um, but I, I think it's hard to get your head around, especially if you're you know a member of the public. When, when you see that the U.S.'s share of the pie has shrunk, that's easy to see. And seeing that the pie has grown much larger than it would have otherwise, that's more invisible. And so well, it, it's not invisible if you think about what your life was like 20 years ago. But I think it's hard to see that counter world where you're like, what, what would the world look like if the pie was smaller? Well, I mean, it's not hard because you can just look back to how it was. But you'd like to say, no, I want the same size pie, but our share larger. Well, you're like, OK, well, that actually was not on the menu, as it turns out. But yeah, I mean, but but yeah, to your point, and, and it's not just, um, you know, it's not just AMD and NVIDIA, which, which is at the very end of the supply chain. It's also further up, right? It's in it's having a customer for our EVA tools. It's having a customer for aim at it's having a cut right so so you know we talk about asml but the u.s dominates in maybe not the ev but many of the other tools the u.s does dominate in and we dominate in the design tools and that's the value of those companies is enormous and so you know i i think that um 
you know, I don't want to be a TSMC fanboy too much, but uh, you know, you, you you have to tip the hat at, at a certain point and and uh, acknowledge what they've unlocked for for the rest of the supply chain, both up and downstream. Uh, Hassan and Eric, thanks so much for being part of chat. It was great joining both of you. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having us, Jordan. Oh. 陪你过假日你想要出门走走我想说下次等天气实在不错不忍心看到你失望落寞所以我暂时放下纸跟笔 有些人犯法不犯罪让经典重现对王子已不再就在所以我就向你陪我去散散心可是你却没无表情说话有事情我真的不懂你我以为我们可以一起探索这座城市发着彼此身上从没见过的样子可是你不是我真的已尝试为了